Chapter 14 Aldria My family was dead. I was the only Andalite within many millions of miles. I had no way of communicating with my people. The Yurks had come to the Hortbegir world, and only Doc and I knew. I'd known that the Hortbegir were peaceful. I'd had no idea before this that they simply did not understand the very concept of fighting. They were among the fiercest-looking, most physically awesome, sentient species in the galaxy. They were walking weapons, deadly from head to foot. But they didn't know it. They didn't know what it meant. They were the perfect targets for the Yurks. We ran, easily losing the Geds. We kept moving, always downhill, not knowing if we ran from real pursuers or merely from phantoms. I tried to figure out what to do, but my mind would not let go of the picture of shredders reducing all I cared about to fused, glowing slag. Tell me about these yurks, Doc asked, panting. That much I could do. They are a parasitic species. They are able to live on their own in something called a yurk pool. But they prefer life inside the body and brain of other species. How is this possible? The yurks are as they have evolved. They are parasites by nature. Evolution has equipped them to do this. On their own world, they infested a species called Geds. You saw some Geds back there. My father was the first Andalite to make real contact with them. Doc looked surprised. You have lived among these Yurks. Yes, we... My father and mother were sent to study them, and to learn if we could make allies of them, or to learn if we had any reason to fear them. Doc nodded. This is what your parents did here, too, am I correct? They were sent to study us. Yes, but there was a difference. We knew the Yurks to be highly... I stopped myself. Doc waited for a moment. Then he finished my sentence for me. You knew the Yurks to be highly intelligent, unlike Hork Bajir. You were interested in them for their intelligence, and you feared them for the same reason. Yes, Doc. It was their intelligence that interested us. It is why your father and mother had no real interest in us. We are a stupid species. He sounded bitter. Not at me. Not at Andalites but at his own people, like he was ashamed of them. Intelligence isn't everything, I said. My father is, was, brilliant, but the Yurks tricked my father. He taught them about the world beyond their planet. He taught them about written language, about the very concept of manipulating matter, tool-making, sight, art, everything. He trusted them. He thought they were grateful. He thought they would be content. Your father made a mistake, Doc said. 
The Yurks were content, but by showing them all they did not have, they began to want more. They wanted to be like you, like Andalites. I turned my stock eyes to stare at Doc as he trotted beside me. How did he cut so quickly to the heart of the problem? How could he guess how the Yurks felt? Of course, because he felt the same way too. He too was jealous of what we Andalites had. Jealous of our power, our knowledge, our intelligence. The Yurks slaughtered most of the Andalites with my father. I said, They stole Andalite ships. They escaped into space. Since then, they have been looking for suitable host bodies. And now they have found them, Doc Hummy said darkly. Yes. My people will be unable to stop them. Maybe not, I said eagerly. You Orkbajir could be very dangerous. Very powerful fighters, at least in close combat. One-on-one, you could even challenge an Andalite warrior. Doc laughed. My people do not understand parasites. They will never understand that these creatures will steal their bodies. They will listen to what we tell them. Then they will go on with stripping bark and playing and caring for their children. Maybe not. You are the seer. You were born to teach your people a new thing. Maybe you were born to teach your people to fight. Maybe your purpose is to teach hork to kill Yurks. I had hoped I had been chosen to show my people all the things your father tried to show the Yurks. I wanted to teach them music, writing, art. I wanted to teach them to keep track of time, the passing of years, to make tools, to build. But your father gave those things to the Yurks, and now we see the results. Maybe I was a fool to think that knowledge would make my people happy. There will be time to think about all that after we find a way to annihilate the Yurks, I said. We can save your people if they will learn to fight. They don't have to be destroyed. Yes, they do, he said quietly. Either they will learn to fight and hurt and kill, or they will learn to be slaves. Both will destroy them. Killers or slaves, they will be one or the other. Killers or slaves. I stopped and grabbed Doc Hummy's arm. I deliberately moved my fingers down to the blade at his elbow. It was almost as hard as an Andalite male's tail blade, and just as sharp. If the choice is between being a killer and being a slave, be a killer. You did it back there. It isn't so hard to learn. And that's what you want for me? To be a killer? If necessary, yes. Doc slowly removed my hand from his blade. He was careful not to cut me. I met his gaze. Hork-Bajir are not good at concealing their feelings. 
They've never tried to learn the art of lying. So I could see what was in Doc's mind and heart. There is still much I have to learn about Endolites, he said. I looked away. It is hard seeing disappointment in the eyes of someone you care for. And yet, his contempt for me changed nothing. He had no choice. His people had no choice. Would I help make them a race of killers in order to stop the Yurks? Yes. A thousand times over. Yes. The creatures who had murdered my family would pay. No matter what. The tree trunk just inches to my left exploded. Splinters struck me, cut me. The concussion and light stunned me. But it was a handheld shredder, not one of the high-powered weapons from the fighters. I caught a glimpse of Geds loping toward us, closing in from two sides. Somehow they had tracked us, and more had been brought down from the orbiting ships. They were above us uphill. The only way to run was downhill. They found us! I cried. Run! We ran. We were faster than the Geds, but I knew they would call in the fighters, and we could not outrun the fighters. We must go to Father Deep, Doc said. Can we survive down there? Can we survive here? We raced down the valley, down and down, toward the glowing blue mist the hork called Father Deep. Chapter 15 Aldria Down, down, always downhill. My leg muscles screamed in pain. I wanted to stop and morph into the Chadu, but there was no time. The Geds were coming, and I could hear them talking on their communicators, trying to bring the fighters in for the kill. We were being saved by the topography of the planet. The Yurk fighter pilots seemed confused. They didn't know whether they should position themselves above us or straight out from us. It was a problem an Endolite would have easily solved. But the Yurks were still new to the entire world of sight. The trees, the sharp slope, baffled them. But not for long. A two-foot-wide hole burned straight through the trunk of a tree just ahead of us. The hole smoked, but the tree trunk did not explode. A shutter beam ripped a trench into the ground beside us. Still, we ran. A nightmare of terror. Pain in every cell of my body. Wounds oozing blood. Muscles desperate for rest. Down and down and down. And now, through the trees, I could catch glimpses of the glowing blue. Already the air was thicker. How many miles had we run? I was running at full speed, heedless of obstacle. Panic speed. Terror speed. Ahead of us, a knot of five or six scared hork They huddled together, watching the sky, watching the shutter fire. Grotesque faces made even more grotesque by fear. It's Doc Hami, one cried. 
Tak Hami, Seer, what is happening? Run! Run away! Doc cried. Shutters reduced two of the hork to vapor. A third was hit by the edge of the beam. He lived long enough to see that his legs, his body below the waist, was gone. Run away! Tell everyone to hide! Doc screamed. I have to help them. Show them, he said to me. It's us the Yerks want, I said. If we stay with these people, they'll be in greater danger. Even as I said the words, I knew I had lied. It wasn't us the Yerks were chasing. It was me. All hork were the same to the Yerks. It was the Endolite they wanted to kill. But Doc accepted my warning. He followed me down the hill, leaving behind the terrified hork No time for guilt. I had to survive. Only I could reach my people and bring them to annihilate the Yerks. Only I could ensure vengeance. What were a few scared hork compared to the need to kill the Yerks? The air was thicker still. It was like breathing cold steam. But the extra oxygen renewed my strength. Suddenly, there it was below us. The trees were gone. The ground was open. Swirling blue mist glowed dangerously. But right then, my choice was not between a long and happy life on the one hand and death on the other. My choice was to live for a few minutes more or die right then. I chose to take the few minutes. I plunged into Father Deep. Chapter 16 Doc Hami We have many tales, we hork of Father Deep. Father Deep and Mother Sky gave birth to us, their children. Mother Sky gives us air and light. Father Deep gives us soil and water. Both are necessary for the trees that sustain us. But Father Deep is also the place from which monsters come. No hork has ever entered Father Deep and lived to tell of it. Now we were entering the deep. We had passed the zone of bright bushes and distorted flowers at the edge of the deep. No trees grew here, but things still lived, even now, with the blue mist all around us, concealing us from our pursuers. This atmosphere appears to be breathable, Aldria said. I don't know the precise ratio of gases, of course, but I am able to breathe. And you, Doc? Yes, I can breathe. My voice sounded flat. It seemed to die in the air, as though the sounds could not possibly get from my mouth to Aldria's ears. I was frightened. I knew we would die. But I also knew that it was better to die here in Father Deep than to be killed by the Yerks. Father Deep was ours, of our world, of the hork I would die like a Hork-Bajir. The world around us became a deeper blue 
light seemed to come from below us, glowing all around us. It was a blue fog, thicker and thicker, till I could barely see Aldria, though she was only a few heights away. I waited for the monsters to leap out and seize me. My skin tingled, awaiting the deadly touch. But nothing came. The temperature is rising as we descended, Aldria said. I realized I was walking on lush, thick grass. As we descended even further, the fog seemed to be thickening. Aldria was no more than a blue shadow within blue mist. I'd heard nothing of our pursuers. Not a sound since we'd entered the deep. Had they been frightened off? Beside me, a shape emerging. A monster? Aldria? I said, my voice quavering. Closer. Closer. A dead. A flash of light. Not the beam I'd seen before, but something like a ball of lightning. The Ged screamed. A touch on my arm. I leapt and spun around. It's me, Eldria said. The Ged cried. This atmosphere is too dense for a shredder. Aldria said. It's a weapon designed for a vacuum, or at least for a decently clear atmosphere. He got flashback, shutter energy absorbed by the atmosphere and reflected. The good continued screaming, but his voice was deadened by the mist as we went down, ever down, into the deep. Suddenly, I felt a tear in the mist, a breath of wind. For just a moment, I could clearly see a pair of Geds standing ahead of us. Their shredders were aimed. And now, looming up beside them, I saw the hork who had attacked us before, the one who had run away. Don't fire those shredders, you fools, the hork ordered. Can't you hear Arklan screaming? Two Geds and you, hork controller! Against the two of us? Eldria laughed. Without your shredders, you don't have the guts. The orc nodded. The shredders will be safe enough up close. To the gets, he said. Wait till we are within five feet, then fire. The three of them ran straight at us. Eldria dodged left. I dodged right. Woof! I slammed into something that cried out. A good. I was on the ground. The good was beside me. Then, in a flash, the creature Aldria had called a hork controller was standing over me. He drew his own shutter and placed the end of it against my head. I could see the mad glee in his eyes. I could see his finger tightening on the trigger. And then, the hork was yanked straight up off the ground, up into the air as if he had been launched by a bent branch. He flew up, then stopped. 
I saw the two massive three-fingered hands of the Jubba Jubba close around the Hork-Bajir's chest. I heard a cry, a roar, and the Hork-Bajir's body fell to the ground on top of me. A body with no head. Wah! I cried in terror. The Ged beside me rolled to his feet and began to run. A three-fingered hand reached down out of the mist and snatched the Ged up. No part of the Ged fell back to the ground. No part of his body, at least. The shredder clattered a few feet from me. In panic, I got up on my hands and knees and crawled to the weapon. I grabbed it in my hands. My clumsy fingers fumbled with the unfamiliar device. My two large fingers found the trigger. I aimed it upward. The three-fingered hand came down, down, down toward me. I aimed the shutter. Flap! It was too fast to see. The mist swirled, revealing where the lightning movement had come from. Flap! Flap! Aldria's tail flashed again and again, and there came a roaring howl like nothing I'd ever heard or imagined. A huge, three-fingered hand fell to the ground, fell and lay there, dead, severed from the monster. The monster screamed in rage. Get up! We must run! Aldria cried. I got up. I moved. I dropped the shredder, not wanting to hold it any more. The Jubba monster did not follow. For the first time in history, a monster of Father Deep had been defeated. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Uh, sorry this one came out a little late. Um, if you follow my Twitter, you will know that I actually had this one fully recorded, fully edited, and fully stitched together. And then, as I was literally wrapping up, actually, this after-show recording, and, uh, I went to go paste it into my audio file, and it crashed Audacity, which in turn crashed my computer, and then my computer decided it didn't want to turn back on that night, and I just didn't feel like trying to deal with that. So, um, I did today. And after a system restore, my computer is more or less functioning. Audacity still seems to be acting a little weird. This is actually my second time recording this one, this message here today, because it uh, froze and cut out some of my recording just now. So hopefully uh, this one will go smoothly and I can get on out of here. Can't tell I'm I'm. If you can't tell by my voice, I'm a little tired from this uh, whole deal. It's been a lot of. Uh, a lot of waiting for my computer to just do the thing it's supposed to. Love it. Uh, but enough of that. I got some lovely messages in. Uh, I got one from an anonymous user on Tumblr. Uh, that is audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Writes in saying, Thank you so much for this podcast. I really appreciate the opportunity to experience Animorphs for the first time. I also got my partner into Animorphs via Audiomorphs, so extra thanks on your behalf. Your reading provides so much life to these characters. We so appreciate your dedication, Daniel. Keep up the amazing work. Thank you so much for writing in, anonymous user. Um, Very cool to learn that 
uh, your partner got into Animorphs via this weird little project. That makes me feel cool. And exciting that this is your first time getting into Animorphs. Um, enjoy the ride. It's a very fun one. Uh, I also got one more message uh, from Willis. Um, you know, we, we've had Willis write in before. We love Willis here. Uh, this one's titled, Happy Birthday, because indeed, I did have a birthday this week. Uh, on Tuesday, I think. <laughs> um, Willis writes in saying, Just wishing you a happy birthday. And instead of asking a question about the pod or Animorphs, instead, I'll give you a bird fact. Did you know that every time you've heard a bald eagle on TV or some 4th of July commercial, you haven't been hearing a bald eagle? Bald eagles make a rather weak sound and is more like loud chirping. The actual sound you're hearing is our boy Tobias, or a red-tailed hawk. But I choose to believe Animorphs ends with Tobias having a very, su- a very successful animal voiceover actor career. Nothing else for now. Enjoy your birthday. Signed, Willis the Artist. Thank you so much for writing in, Willis. Thank you so much for wishing me a happy birthday. I did, in fact, have a great uh, birthday weekend. Uh, sad to go back to work on Monday, but what can you do? Gotta pay those bills. And uh, I actually did know that fun fact about uh, the red-tailed hawk cry. Uh, yeah, movies and TV are doing lots of things that aren't true to life because it sounds better. Uh, that's the business. You know that cool, like, shrink or like shink sound, uh, you know, when like the cool warrior draws his sword from his sheath, it always makes that like shink sound, uh, not not how most sheaths are gonna sound when you pull a sword out of them, it's a specific type of sheath that's like lined with metal or something like that, that's what uh, the sword's drawing against to make that sound, uh, most sheaths were just like leather, um, and would not ha- have have made that sound since, you know, you don't really want to be running uh, metal willy-nilly all over your edge, that's how you ruin an edge. Um, but it sounds cool, so they do it, and I appreciate it. Same with the, with the eagle cries. Uh, my fun fact, actually, is I think, because uh, I, I go on YouTube to find these these Foley effects when I need them. Um, and I think for Tobias's uh, bird call, I did have to YouTube search uh, an a eagle cry sound effect because uh, it sounded a little better than what I was getting from hawk cries. So there you go. Uh it's uh, a red-tailed hawk pretending to be an eagle, pretending to be a red-tailed hawk in, in this one. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, so if you'd like to write in like that lovely anonymous Tumblr user or like our good friend Willis, you can do that through Tumblr at audiomorphcast.tumblr.com. Uh, you can do it on Gmail, audiomorphscast at gmail.com. You can do it on my website, theapocalypse.com. That's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh... You should also check out, uh, you can reach me also on Twitter, that's at Audiomorphs, that's also what you should check out if, like, this week, I was late. I did a post about it on Twitter, uh, that I was having computer issues, so if you're ever wondering, hey, Daniel, you haven't uploaded yet, what the heck, what's going on? Check the Twitter, I've probably posted something, except for that one time where I forgot, um, but generally, you know, if, if I've got an announcement, it'll be on Twitter. Uh, I got some other stuff I normally say back here, I'm sure. I'm tired. My head kind of hurts. I didn't have any coffee this morning, and I have a severe caffeine addiction. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to go drink some coffee, I guess. This headache sucks. It's it's getting worse. Uh, And uh, have a a great week, everyone. See you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. (laughs) 